You're listening to a Why Now podcast. This is Golden Nuggets podcast on whynow.co.uk. I'm your host, Al, and I'm a PE teacher of 15 years. This podcast is about interviewing key influencers in education and giving them a platform to deliver their story. I want to explore why and how they do what they do to better inform parents and pupils on their education journey. Today I've got Angela Hilton. Hi Angela, how are you okay? Yes, I'm fine. Yeah, great, thanks. And uh, we're going to be talking to the Teacher of the Year in a primary school from the Pearson Teaching National Awards. Sounds pretty impressive to me. Well, to be to be fair, it is a great honour and uh, I was absolutely thrilled to receive it, but it's not just about me, it's about the school I work in, the children that I teach, the parents that are part of our community and my colleagues as well. Well, that's, it just sounds amazing, really, like basically, you know, coming together as a community, especially in this time with, you know, the coronavirus, I think it's even more important. But let's tell me a bit about yourself and what you've done in your career and any other roles. Yep, well, um, I'm an assistant head teacher at Cleves Cross Primary Primary School. It's an outstanding school in Ferry Hill, County Durham, ex-mining community, um, close-knit community, supportive of each other. It has its own challenges being an ex, ex-mining community. You know, it, it, there's, there's still repercussions from that era, but it's a, it's a lovely place to work and the people are wonderful and really supportive of each other. I'm 58 and I've been teaching about 18 years, so I did come into teaching a little bit later than than many people. On reflection, it's probably not a bad thing because it is quite an intense career. And I imagine <laughs> if, I, if I'd come into it earlier, I might have been a bit burnt out by now <laughs> because it's quite, it's quite full on. Um, before that, I was in the civil service for about 17, 18 years in various departments. But really, I, I just, I think it was once I had me, me eldest son and I, I started to take him into nursery and I just thought, this is something I would like, I would like to explore as a career for myself. So I, I began to get involved in the school and I became a governor and I was um, vice chair on the, on the, the governor's at that school and I did a bit of volunteering and then I did a course on an evening, a teaching assistant course and a special needs assistant course and I got a part-time job there and I just got into it deeper and deeper really and then there was an opportunity came with the graduate teacher programme at the time which was funded so I didn't run up a load of debt like a lot of student teachers are doing now which can be a shame and the school sponsored me to, to stay in the school and, and follow that programme for the year. Once I qualified, I applied for a job at Cleves Cross and I'm still there. Do you think, uh, you mentioned about the tuition side of things, do you think that puts off a lot of people going into teaching? Um, I, I, don't, I'm, I don't know, I haven't, I haven't had that discussion with many people. I think it's just young people or people looking at careers are, are just accepting it. As a, a way of life, as as a necessary evil, that's something that they're going to have to face and do if they do want that kind of career. Mm. It's um, it's quite interesting though, isn't it? You know, looking at this time now, where you start thinking, well, 
you know, do we... I mean, there's lots of rewards with teaching, isn't there? You know, obviously the holidays, I mean, a lot of people work in the holidays, mind you, as well. But there does try and get that uh, life balance with the kids as well, being off with, if you have children. Um, comes in handy, doesn't it, having seven weeks off with, or five weeks off with them, depending on what school you're at in the summertime. Yeah, I think for a lot of people, that's one of, certainly one of the, the, the bonuses, isn't it? And that's what people see is the first thing. If you say you're a teacher, they go, everyone goes, oh, and the holidays are fabulous, aren't they? And you go, oh, really? OK. <laughs> and I, I think for teaching assistants and other the support staff in school, the holidays are, are a big pull for a lot of them, absolutely, because, you know, the salary isn't, isn't brilliant um, for, for that, the support staff and, and others. But the hours, the working hours seem to suit suit working mums and, and dads yeah i think it's uh maybe also the rewards you get from from it as well i mean the the long list of things that you're involved in not just in the classroom but outside of the classroom must you must see so much so much from the kids that you, you get so much back surely absolutely absolutely the, there's there's a lot to the job there's a there's a lot of behind the scenes aspects to what goes on you know in it, for a teacher, all the, the paperwork, the computer work, the planning, the meetings. But the key for me is the classroom, being in the classroom with the children and making a difference to them. And they make a difference to me. It's um, So the Pearson Teaching Awards, just for the listeners that don't know what it is, t- tell us a bit about those awards and what they're for. Well, the, the Teaching Awards w- was established in 1998 by Lord Putnam, David put CBE as a means of recognising and celebrating the excellence in education. The aim to, to raise the profile of the teaching profession. And, you know, there is a lot of advertising trying to get the right people into the teaching. And this is another way of sort of giving it a little bit more value, I think. Highlighting the positive impact teachers and school leaders have in society with pupils and parents and wider community. And... To show teachers that they are very much valued, you know, they don't always get the best press, but there's things like the teaching awards, which just raise it a little bit higher. In terms of, like, how did it even come about, like, getting this award and what things have you been doing? Well, in the lead-up to... Someone, well, someone, one of our families nominated me to the in the Thank a Teacher window of opportunity, I guess it is, where they can send and nominate you. And they must have written something on that caught the eye of, of the people at Pearson. And they contacted school, they contacted my head teacher to learn a little bit more about me. Um, there was a lot of secrecy. I knew nothing about what was going on. It was it's kept kept from from the winners or the nominees. Um, there was some strange going-ons in school, but I never thought it was anything to do with me. So I was initially nominated by a family through the Thank a Teacher campaign. Um, and following that, it then went to judges who agreed that they looked, they'd spoken to the head teacher and to, to the people who nominated me, and they decided that I was one of a dozen Silver Award winners for the primary class. And um, I knew nothing until there was a, a big assembly at school and I was presented with the award and had to send photos to the media and it was a lovely surprise. It was really nice. It was lovely for school, you know, with little school in, in County Durham for their teacher to be nominated. It was lovely. 
And then after a few more weeks, I was surprised to hear that there was a couple of judges coming out to see me into school because they were looking for the gold award winner. They came a considerable distance. I think one arrived from Wales and the other lady came from Manchester and they spent the day with us. Uh, They watched me in the classroom teaching and interacting with the children. They spoke to staff and to governors and parents. We had some nice long chats. And then after a few weeks, I was invited to afternoon tea at the Houses of Parliament with the other silver winners. And that was a really special, special day. It was lovely. We got the train down on the morning and had a nice afternoon tea and and got the train back. And it was really a real treat. I went with Alison, our head teacher. We had a a really lovely trip. And I thought, well, that's... I thought that would be the end of it, really. Um, We knew that the awards ceremony was going to be held in London at the end of October. And that was for everyone who'd won a silver award and, and other people to go. So we we filled up our minibus at school, we bought some tickets for, for those who wanted to go and we all went down for the weekend and we had a really lovely time in Camden and it and it, it was it was a really it was really lovely. Unusually I knew I'd won by then because Most of the awards were announced on the night. The winners were announced on the night and they went up on the stage and received their awards. But for some reason, for me, they they came into the school a couple of weeks before and it was Steph McGovern, who worked at the BBC at the time, and she came in and surprised me in the classroom when I was in with the children and, and announced I'd actually won the Gold Award there and then. And it was it was just amazing. It was a, a lovely, it was a really lovely surprise for us all. But then she took the trophy away and she said we weren't to tell anyone. And then they announced it when we were in, in the roundhouse in Camden on the night. And they, they showed the video clip of her coming into school and they'd done a little follow-up clip of me in the school grounds and teaching the children that they used on the night on the on the programme. Um, it was it was a hard it was hard secret to keep. I knew nothing about it, but apparently there's been a lot of other people involved in it. A lot of people had been interviewed, and had been emails arranging it all in secrecy. So it was a complete surprise. When it was actually on the on the on the television, I didn't actually see it because I was in Kenya. So I was getting emails and things to say, oh, you've been on the telly. And a couple of people had taken photographs and sent me little clips of, of what was going on, but I didn't actually see it myself till quite a while later. And you mentioned uh, there's also about winning the awards, the uh, sort of the deciding factors was all the international schools work you've been doing and the partnerships. Yes, apparently um, the judges were impressed by the... the the international work that I've done for a long time, trying to, you know, trying to get the children really to to appreciate the wider world that they live in and the, the different cultures that are out there and the different nationalities and the, the, bringing the, a bit more of the world into our school and into our classrooms. 
So we, we've, we've had links with Sri Lanka for about 10 years now. So we've established really, really positive friendships with teachers in Sri Lanka. We've known them a lot of years. They've been over here. They stay at my house. Um, we... I think I've been out there about seven times now. What 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 do they, they think of County Durham? Oh, they love County Durham. They love yeah. it. Yeah, they loved coming here, and it's it's it is an you know we've got so much more than they have when we look at stuff. You know, the material things. We've got so much more material things, and you think they're going to come here and be overawed by everything we have and there were there were but their simple life and their philosophy of nothing is wasted nothing is wasted over there they reuse everything everything's made from natural materials and everything's valued and we learn so much more from them than they ever do from us we come back with great ideas we for example we we have packed lunches sometimes at school and the children come in with the fancy lunch boxes and lovely packaging and things. And yet when we, in Sri Lanka, the children boil their leaves, massive banana leaves, and they wrap their lunch in, in banana leaves. And it's not so long ago we would have thought that was because they were poor. But now our children are educated into reducing and reusing and recycling. Our children think it's wonderful that they're using banana leaves to wrap their food instead of plastic Tupperware. So we learn we learn so much from each other. What other things did, did the kids learn from Sri Lanka? They learn they learn about um, the Buddhist religion. They learn about the wet, different weather systems. They learn about um, the crops that are produced. The 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 compare our. Our country to Sri Lanka, they look at the different coastlines. We've made instruments from vegetables and... What, like what? <laughs> um, coconuts, bits of coconuts or put rice in packaging and made, you know, lovely rainfall. <laughs> That's a right giggle. Yeah, it's, it's amazing, actually. It's amazing, yeah. <laughs> What about the, uh, what, like you said, weather systems? What, I mean, just in terms of how it differs to ours or? Yeah. You know, we, we have four seasons. We talk a lot about the seasons, particularly in Key Stage 1. It's part of the science curriculum. Sri Lanka don't have seasons as such. They have a, a dry season and a rainy season and they have wells in the garden and they collect the water from the rainy season and it sees them right through the year and... It, it's all just all those things that are different from us to make that comparison and to see how they work for someone else. It's, it's interesting, isn't it, how much you can learn from uh, from other cultures, isn't it? And, and, and then also, what do you actually do about it rather than just talking about it and then going, oh, that's an interesting idea, and then you go back to what you normally do. Yeah, yeah that's right. We, we've, we've, had, um, we've had projects where we've had Grow Your Own grow your own vegetables and fruit here and at the same time that's been happening with our partner school in Sri Lanka so we could talk about what we've grown and what they've grown and the different plants you know the 
different fruits that we can get from from our plants and what they can get from theirs and it's really nice for the children it just makes the world feel a bit this a bit smaller and mm. and that we have so many things more things in common that than what are different mm. let's uh rewind slightly just about back to when you were at school and uh, what it was like for you and who influenced you I went to St Anthony's Girls School in Sunderland and it was attached to a convent and we were taught by nuns. Most of the teachers were nuns who lived in the convent. Uh, the, the junior school was a Montessori, so the, the, those children filtered into this, the secondary school or the, the senior school. And it was, it was all girls. And I, personally, I really enjoyed going to a girls' school. I think I'm I'm not particularly a feminist or big in, you know, I do like to think that I promote gender equality for for everyone, not just for, for women. But I think it, it going to an all-girls school really helped me understand that you it's not always a man's world and that girls can do what they want. And that was a long time ago I was at school to be thinking along those lines. Mm. I like to think, you know, that we've come a long way since then. But even even 40 years ago, because I went to a girls' school, that gender equality was a key thing that that cropped up. Certainly. And that's something that you've been working on, isn't it, with the British Council, the uh, gender equality project? Yes, I've just... Uh, well, I mean... Obviously, it's had to come to a bit of a halt because I'm trying to get some Kenyan teachers over here. Um, I was out there in October. There was five schools involved and it was focusing on gender equality for the, the girls over there because it's really diff difficult in Kenya for, for girls. They have a really hard time. But I was working with a charity called um, Team Kenya and they do an absolute marvellous job. It's, uh, we linked in through the British Council, so we got grants to, to fund us to go and to, to have the, the reciprocal visit from the teachers from Kenya to come here. And it's really beneficial for the, the girls in the schools over there that, that it happens. Certainly. And what's it like in Kenya? Is it quite similar to Sri Lanka in terms of them not having a lot of you know materials and they have to be quite creative with what resources they have or...? They do, they do. Uh, Sri Lanka is 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 far better off than Kenya. Kenya has a really hard time because of the, the, the weather. It's either too wet or it's too dry. There doesn't seem to be much middle ground. They're relying on the wet season when it's meant to be wet season and dry season when it's meant to be dry season. And at the minute, it's not happening as it should. So they have floods and they have droughts and lands washing away. It's really difficult mm. in Kenya. Very difficult. What sort of th I mean, do, do a lot of the kids that you teach about these projects, do they then go home? Do they, have you seen any change in behavioural uh, behaviours or ways of living or things that they do? I mean, you mentioned about the banana leaves, right, and wrapping it up in sandwiches. I'm guessing that not all the kids bring banana leaves now and wrap the sandwiches in it, but do a few of them start to do things where they're, they're a bit more maybe considerate about other people or wastage or recycling? Or have you seen that with some of the kids with the projects you've done? I, I was In our school, our children, our children are really, yeah. really aware of these things. We're, we are a rights, we're a UNICEF rights, respect and gold award school. So 
the the right respect and aspect is key to everything. It it underpins it underpins the ethos of our school. We do a lot of work on 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 gender and and on um, reduce and reuse and recycle and global goals and and all of those things. So we drip feed our children constantly so that they are aware of of the world they live in and the changes that they small changes that they can make things that they can consider and hopefully they'll take with mm. them into adulthood as well and that's the thing isn't it it's the, often the question is but what can i do and why should i go and vote but actually if everyone decided to go and vote or everyone decided to change the small things collectively it'd make a big difference isn't it yeah absolutely we have a we have a ballot a ballot box at school so if the, if we have an opportunity we'll give the children the chance to vote so they know their opinion makes a difference that they've got a voice so they put the votes in the ballot box what's the most interesting thing that a kid said oh you put me on the spot there <laughs> i don't know really but it's it's amazing what they do come out with. When when we had the Brexit vote, the children at school had a Brexit vote and they voted to remain. Mm. It's um, In terms of, like, if we move on slightly to, um, like, what you're currently doing, you sort of mentioned a lot of those projects there that you did. What about, in you know, in the classroom? You said that that's where, you know, for you, it's, it's the main place of you see learning, that's where you get the rewards from. What sort of things, I mean, you mentioned about project-based learning um, to me. Do you want to sort of expand slightly on about that? The, uh, yeah, about project-based learning, yeah. Well, I, you know, I was saying earlier that we've had project-based learning for quite some time in our school, but the difficulties have, her, have arisen and, and Ofsted have actually identified it that sometimes children don't know that what they're actually doing is geography, that what they're actually doing is history, and it's it's just sort of sneaked under that umbrella of topic work. So we're trying to get the children to think, oh, actually, I'm a, I'm a historian here, or I'm being a geographer, or I'm a mathematician, or I'm an artist, or I'm an author, I'm a writer. So they, they are being able to identify the subjects that they're doing from an early age and they recognise them, what aspect of learning it is. We still have, you know, we still do topics, but within that topic, what aspect of the topic are we learning today? The children need to know. And what, um, what's your favourite one? My favourite. Your favourite topic to teach with the kids? We we did George Stevenson and the Railways. All right. And I'm, I'm currently working in year one, and that was a great success. It was really good fun. We went out to visit the the Railway Museum. We made our own Stevenson's Rockets. We had an assembly for parents. We did outdoor learning with it. We The children really loved it. And, and the fe- you know it's been successful because you get the feedback from parents and, and the children themselves to say they've enjoyed it. Mm. It's when they're going home and they're telling the, the mums and dads what they've been doing you know it's been successful because nine times out of ten, when children go home and they're asked what they've done, they say nothing. <laughs> they, they don't want to talk about it, really. So if they nice. do go home and, and mention it, it must have been good. I suppose it's, it's, it's great that you can do that experience as a project, but it's probably, realistically, it's probably hard to do that all the time now, I'm guessing. You try to. I think it's, it's about careful planning. We try hard as a school. We just 
in the middle of it actually revamping our curriculum so that it, it's really pinned down to what we want and that we're looking for that hook to grasp the children in it at the start of a topic what what you know what's going to really grab their attention we look to where we can take them what we can do with them where we can learn outside the classroom which is really important to to us as a school to get the children that we call it learning outside the classroom that might be a visit to a museum it might be learning something in the hall it might be getting visitors into school it might be doing something on the field it could be going to another establishment it can be anything mm. but it's getting that hook in and getting that wider learning experience mm. going and um if we just sort of continue on that theme of uh like preparing pupils for leaving school uh which is outside the curriculum so you sort of mentioned about the community ambassadors the rights respecting ambassadors um what sort of other community stuff are you doing to sort of prepare them? Well, we, we, as I said earlier, our rights respecting work is is important. That children know the rights. That they're able to, they can tell you, they they can, you, you know, they know what number of rights they're talking about, and they can quote it and and relate it to something that's going on within school, and they know that it's their right and the right of every child, and. I think it, it's just making sure that they're, they're aware of what's going on in, in the, their communities around them. So the community ambassadors, for example, have, have, have gone out and they've planted, instead of planting flowers in the, in the raised beds in our marketplace, they, fra- the, they went up and they planted some vegetables so that anyone who, who wanted to take the vegetables could just go and help themselves. And, yeah, it was a bit of a talking gesture in many ways. You know, once you've got your three cabbages, there's, there's no more. But it's, it was just teaching them that that was a possibility, that it, it's there, you know, and it's an option. We, um, we've, we took them to the Houses of Parliament so they could see, they could see what goes on there and, and, and they met some of the MPs. We we often invite our local MP into school to talk to the children. Do you have do you, do you have any embarrassing questions that the kids ask them? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. We we have had some quite funny ones. Mm-hmm. Like what what what's have you got any that spring to mind? I wish I'd I wish I'd thought about this beforehand because there was there has been some funny ones. Oh, I can't think of any offhand. If I can, I'd let you know. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure the MPs have heard it all before, but yeah. yeah. And you you do some stuff with equality and diversity and stuff, um, and that's quite a big topic, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is, and uh, it's amazing how th- this younger generation are quite confident and comfortable with using the terminology, using the language, and it's out there, and it's it's on the television, it's in their families that the, these diverse relationships and the children are, are, are really good at just ac- that acceptance of, of it and not judging others and that's really important as a way forward for them as well as, as they start to grow up. It's, it's, it's quite funny though isn't it that sort of natural uh, honesty that comes out with them and the sort of the genuine approach to what they and it's quite um it's quite an innocent approach though as well so for example like the other day I had a I was going, so we go scooting 
I bought an adult scooter so I can go scooting. And that's part of my exercise was to do with my seven-year-old and my four-year-old. And anyway, I'm scooting back. And obviously, you've got to be two metres distance as you're going past someone. And this old guy, he's relatively old. He's got grey hair. He's quite tall. He's a bit gangly. And my little four-year-old goes, BFG! <laughs> and goes, hello! And I'm like, shh, 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 don't say that, what are you doing? <laughs> like, he's going to school him, because obviously you don't want to, you know, people that, you know, when you're walking past people nowadays, it's people are a bit on edge, aren't they? And some people might be a bit more anxious than others, but, you know, a four-year-old, they'll just tell you straight, won't they, how it is? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, uh, I suppose, looking into the future, um, it, it's quite difficult to really know what might happen after this period of time. How do you think it will change people's opinions and behaviours and stuff like that on the way they see the world? I, I, I Personally, I hope everyone takes the positives because when you talk to people, lots of people have a, a positive to take from this. Yeah, they're fed up being stuck at home and they can't see their friends and they can't do this. But there's lots of people who are coming up with positives. And if we can just think of one or two and not forget about them, keep doing whatever's, whatever we're doing that's different and we like it, keep doing it. So like you with your scooter, would you have got mm. a scooter if it hadn't been locked down? Probably not. Yeah, you're probably right. But it's nice, isn't it? And it's yeah. little things like that that can just make that difference because I don't think things are going to ever be exactly as they were and maybe it's good if they're not for some in some respects. I don't know about you, but I, I'm sort of based down in London, but I get the planes and there's been no planes. It's been blissful. I've been waking up going, what's, what's all this on about? Really deep sleep. So, yeah, I mean, obviously lots of positives come from these things as well, don't they? But... Um... I mean, I mean, I live on the year 19 and it's absolutely, it's like the M1, it's really busy and it's the first thing you can hear on the morning and I lie there and I'm thinking, there's no traffic. <laughs> That'll soon stop mine, but it's nice at the time. It's, I'm enjoying it. Like the, the planes, once they crack on, it'll be business as usual, won't it? But for now, it's really, it's nice. Well, it's, it's been so nice to hear about... Um a lot of the sort of projects you've been doing and been, you know, allowing kids to explore and be more open-minded and know the world a bit more. I'm sure there's lots of great stuff going on in the world and especially like with globalisation and automation and digitalization all occurring and looking to the future. It'd be interesting to know what role humans have for the future and actually if what roles do they, what skills do they need to do those roles? That's what I'm. I, that's what I'm really interested in. That's. I think it's been quite nice to hear about. You know, thinking for you, way of re you know kids recycling, using banana leaves rather than plastic. You know, we're going to reduce a carbon footprint. What things can we learn from other countries? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that is so important. This, this um. Trying not to waste things, you know, the throwaway society. We need it's got to stop. We've got nowhere to put it all. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So it's all it's all going in the rivers and the sea as well, isn't it? And dumping it all, and then, you know, the 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 rivers and seas work. Something we we really try and push at school. It would be nice. Also, like 
It's pretty bad, really. Like, down in London, there's a perception that people don't talk to people. And it, I, I disagree with that. I don't think that's it. Because, you know, coming from Manchester originally, I moved down here long, quite a while ago. But, like, regional migration of people come to London to, because it's where you can get work. And then I felt like London's been great to me. Do you know what I mean? It's given me a job, an opportunity. Uh, you know, I've got a family now and it's it's been great. But I think there's also something quite nice about being able to now stop, slow down and actually say hello to people in my local community that I might have not have had the chance to and actually reconnect. Um, well, if we're going to sort of, I'm going to try and wrap this up now. We've got some golden nuggets. What would you say for kids of the future? Like three pieces, three golden nuggets for the kids of the future. What would you say? I would say probably, you know, don't be too hard on yourself. Don't work hard all of the time because fun is learning too. You learn so much through play. Even as an adult, you learn so much through play. It's not just for little ones. And I think appreciate who you have and what you have already. Who's in your life and what you already have. And ultimately, find a job you love. That is key. Find a job you love. And once you stop loving it, get a different job. <laughs> well, um, Ange, thanks so much for coming on the Golden Nuggets podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. And, uh, yeah, it's been a right giggle. So uh, thanks very much for your time. It's been great.